So on top of the pain and the pain pills and uh, a, a divorce and the unknown and, you know, and, and just, you know, out of the blue, I go to bed one night and life is, you know, just going along the way that it's supposed to and, or the way that it has been, I won't say the way that it's supposed to, but the way that it has been. And then, um, your son dies unexpected. My son died unexpectedly and, you know, the whole world changed in an instant. And so it just started a reevaluation process in me internally, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And, um, through that reevaluation process, I, you know, became saved and, uh, found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and just started a whole, <laughs> whole nother path physically, spiritually, and mentally. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, and Kat Shear and I, we are 40 plus masters athletes who love the sport of CrossFit. We want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news from the Open to the Sanctionals to the CrossFit Games. We also want to share our journey to get fit and healthy using the sport of CrossFit. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. We are now available on YouTube at the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends podcast and all traditional podcast platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Clydesdale CrossFitter. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter and today I have with me uh, Amy Radowski hey. and Kat Shear. Hi. And we are so excited. Um, this week has been awesome for interviews. Uh, on Monday we, we released our Annika uh, Greer interview and today we are actually going to release our Jeff Goebel interview. Uh, Jeff was the number one seed in the 55 to 59 age group division. Uh, and sadly that division got canceled or the, all the, the age groups got canceled. So he wasn't able to attend the games and kind of go for that uh, podium finish at the games. I think um, we can still call him the uh, fittest 55 year old. For sure. Sure. We're just going to go ahead and do that. And beyond that, we could call him one heck of a guy. Uh, his story and journey is unreal. Um, when we interviewed him, I really had to fight back some tears uh, during that story. And uh, it's really an emotional ride. And I think you will all uh, enjoy this one. So let's go ahead and get to that interview. And we'll give you some news updates afterwards. So just so our audience knows, uh, Jeff is a three-time games qualifier. Uh, regretfully, after the announcement this week, you know, two time you two times you attended the games, and this year it looks like uh, the age groups are canceled. So we're sorry to hear that, and sorry that you don't get the, the opportunity to go out there and compete. Right? Yeah, me too. It's very disappointing. It's uh, uh, I guess that's why they call it perseverance, though, right? You just keep on. Uh, 
overcoming adversity, and that's just what we're going to have to do. You know, I, I was really looking forward to it this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got that announcement, I was just like, oh, just another obstacle, just something else to persevere, just something else to overcome. But, you know, that's, that's life. Yeah. And it's preparing for the unknown, right? That's, right. that's CrossFit. That is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and really what, what stinks is you, you came in in first place. Yeah. That's like you're really the number hurt. one seed. Yeah. Um, and so I was a little ahead of my game plan because, um, you know, I just, I wanted to be number one at the games. I wasn't concerned about the open this year, you know, the top 200 go to the next round. So I was like, um, some things that I'd learned from my past two experiences. Uh, one of the most important was that um, I just didn't need to train year round like that every single day, three, four hours a day. And so, um, and plus it was a huge strain on my marriage, huge strain on my family to take that amount of time away every day, just to be trained for the CrossFit games and, and really, you know, for what? Um, so I just, told myself early on after my decided that I would start training again and trying to make another run at the CrossFit games that I was not going to spend four hours every single day in the gym for an entire year to prepare for the CrossFit games. And I had made up my mind if the way that I decide to train isn't good enough, then I'm never going back to the CrossFit games because I just, I have a family. I have a stepson who played uh, basketball and I love to watch him play basketball. I had a daughter who was graduating uh, college and, and, you know, going to and moving to Nashville after she graduated. And I have a stepdaughter who is, uh, you know, lives out of town who her, her mother and I like to go visit. And so all these things were just, I had to put everything into perspective. And um, so, like I said, it became, I, I was ahead of the curve because I was 43rd, I think in the open, which was irrelevant to me. All I wanted to do is be top 200 because that score's tossed now. They don't even count it. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, why kill myself to to win the open? That's so unimportant. You know, I just gotta, I just gotta be top two hundred. So I wound up finishing thirty fourth or something like the forty third or something like that in the open this year, and I was pleased. I was like, great, you know, top two hundred. Let's just, you know, move to the next round. So uh, from October until March, um, I still just kept on training about like I was and then the last six weeks before um the online qualifier is when I cranked it back up you know three four hours a day two three workouts a day every day just really focusing on trying to get one of those top 10 spots so at that point I was like all I got to be is 10th you know I don't have to be number one again I my goal was to be number one at the CrossFit Games not be number one at the online qualifier but I started really um doing misfit programming uh the six-week program that they had programmed for masters athletes to get ready for the online qualifier and i stuck to it pretty pretty strict i had a uh three day or three times a day i was training you know doing the strength in the morning uh and their cardio and um accessory work and things like that in the afternoon and plus early in the morning i was doing romwad i mean my uh, range of motion exercise of the day so you know, it was three, four hours every day for those six weeks. But it for the rest of the time, you know, I was able to kind of keep my wife happy and balance my uh, gym life with my uh, personal life. So it was much better this year. 
so that's kind of the end of the story. Um, that's where we are today. But <laughs> right. there's a long journey from where you started to where you are today. So grow, growing up, where did you grow up? I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, this I, I still live here currently. This has been my home for uh, most of my life, except for the time that I was uh, in the Marine Corps. I've, I've lived in Johnson City. Um, and, and I went to Banner Elk, North Carolina for a couple of years to a junior college there, Lee's McCray College. But this is, this is home to me, Johnson City, Tennessee. And were, were you an athlete growing up? I was. I played all kinds of sports growing up. Uh, you know, as a high school student, I ran track, played football, um, basketball, you know, the typical high school athlete, just, you know. Uh, but once, about my sophomore year, I decided just to become a football player. That's, you know, I had this – I was very small in stature, but I always had this competitive uh, nature about me. So, you know, I just, I guess being a, a shorter, smaller guy, I just had always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder, something to prove. And why in the world I chose football, um, <laughs> you know, it's just beyond me. Cause I, I literally could have played baseball. I could have, you know, I, there's, I was pretty quick. I was a very good endurance athlete. I could have ran, you know, the mile, three miles, and there was plenty of other things besides football, but I just love football. So that's the path that I took and played it in college. And, um, you know, after a couple of years of playing college football, um, I decided that, you know, that probably wasn't the best choice for a five-foot-eight guy, 165, 175 pounds to, you know, that wasn't the wisest choice to, of sports to play. So, what, what position did you play? I'm I'm assuming it's not defensive end. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> That's correct. No, I, I played uh, running back in high school, and then I played uh, defensive back in uh, college. Oh, cool. Yeah. So then you decide to go into the Marines. Was that did you did you graduate from college, or did that happen prior to graduation? No, actually, the Marines was the choice that my, you know, it was basically, so what I had done is um, messed around and lost my scholarship because I was um, not very focused on my grades. So uh, I decided to join the Marine Corps in an effort to pay for the remainder of my college. So that was, and it actually wound up being one of the best choices ever made. Um, really, I just, after football, um, was over for me because of my grades. Um, really wasn't, you know, uh, I just didn't have any focus. And um, so the Marine Corps was something that I much needed at 14 year old, 14 year old, 14 years old, I lost my dad. It was just my mom, bless her heart, love her to death, but she just had no real, it, she was working two, two full-time jobs, trying to raise three kids after her husband had passed away so you can imagine I was just I was just wild I was very wild um you know I had uh just some really crazy experiences I won't get into but uh I, you know I just I got into one of my mom's journals one time and just page after page after page please God take care of Jeff please God take care of Jeff you know and yeah. um because I was just really wild so anyway the Marine Corps was exactly what I needed at the time and uh, it, it gave me some discipline and some focus and things that I really needed in my life. So it was a good move. And I, oh, go ahead, Amy. No, I was just going to say, how did the – I am so curious to hear about this professional boxing and the um, tough man competition. How did that come about? Um, you know, I just – because I 
grew up kind of the way I did. I mean, bar fights and things. I just basically had developed a reputation as a, as a quote unquote tough guy, which, you know, I'd like to, I hope someday I'll outlive that because sometimes it still haunts me today. Um, it just seems like when you get a reputation like that, everybody wants to see how they compare to the tough guy. So I spent a lot of times just, you know, street fighting. And so then, you know, this was before UFC and, you know, all the outlets that we have now for guys who are growing up like me, just, you know, somewhere that they can focus their anger and their aggression and their competitiveness and make money. Back then it was just, uh, just a survival skill, I guess, you know? Um, but, um, so I saw that in, I guess it was 19, early 1990s, they were advertising these tough man, uh, competitions. I don't know if y'all remember Mr. T from the, from the 18, the eighties, uh, TV show, but, uh, he kind of made those famous. And so they were, it's, it was just a, uh, traveling, uh, they just go from town to town, put up a ring, invite all the people who wanted to, you know, jump in and, and fight an opportunity to fight. So I did a few of those and a couple of those, one in Knoxville and one here in Bristol and um, won them both. And so the one in Bristol caught the attention of a local boxing promoter who actually owned Bristol Motor Speedway. And because uh, he, he was the funding behind it. And so he approached me after and said, Hey, you know, we, we think you've got some potential. Would you be interested in uh, doing some professional boxing? And they had a boxing uh, arena behind the, the racetrack. And so uh, Larry Carrier just kind of took me under his wing, got me a trainer and, and uh, you know, I just started training and next thing I know I'm, I'm, you know, boxing professional, making money at it. So it was, it was, it was a neat time. So, how long were you in the Marines? Uh, I was in the Marines for two and a half years. Okay. And uh, I injured my back, fell off a helicopter, injured my back, and uh, they uh, put me out on disability, said that I wasn't um, fit for Marine Corps life, basically. They said that I was unfit for Marine Corps life because of my uh, spondylolisthesis that had been discovered in the process. And I was in traction for like, you know, six weeks, or well, no, probably not six weeks, four weeks, uh, where you just lay in the bed and they're like stretching your neck and your spine and your feet and everything, trying to straighten your, your spine out. And, um, you know, so I spent some, a lot of time in the military or in, in my, during my Marine Corps trying to adjust to that back injury. And, you know, it was just, uh, kind of a constant, um, issue because when I think I, I would think okay I'm good I'm ready to go back out you know and we would do a uh, some sort of training or something and the next day I'd be laid up again you know just like oh my gosh so uh, the rigors of the Marine Corps during that time were very difficult for me so I just uh, stayed in for two and a half years and then uh, took a medical discharge. So it, it's a kind of ironic that you weren't fit enough for Marine duty, but you're fit enough to box and uh, be tough man and all that stuff. Yeah. It just, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I, that's a whole nother journey on its own about, um, you know, uh, an addiction to pain pills, uh, thinking that that was, you know, the way to keep on training. And, um, and, and it's just another, 
part of the story where when it when CrossFit became um, part of my life, how I just um, realized all the training, all the stuff that I had done my entire life, I just was kind of missing the point. And, um, you know, that core to extremity that they preach in CrossFit, it's just not preached in other sports. You just, they don't, they don't teach you about how important that the core strength really is. And, um, you know, you, you're all the time doing these isolation muscle exercises and you're completely ignoring the most important part of your body, which is your core. And so it really, uh, was not until I started doing CrossFit in 2012 that I kind of flipped all my perception of training and what health and fitness really was uh, and turned it all around. And, and, you know, today I'm, you know, completely have a completely different opinion about health and fitness and what that means and what it looks like. And, uh, but back then I just, I didn't know any better. I was just naive and, um, you know, had no real, education and health and fitness uh, other than just whatever I had been coached along the way by the people who were coaching me. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you decide to start a family? Uh, um, well, it was, you know, I, my second wife and I, we got married in 1991 and Jake or 1992. She was actually pregnant before uh, we got married. Uh, but we, decided to do the right thing. And, uh, so, you know, in 1992, 1992, we were married in 1993, my first son was born. So, um, you know, we, we, it's not, you know, it's, it's no secret that she was pregnant. I don't, I don't mean everybody knows it. So, you know, uh, but we, we decided just to do the right thing. And I got a, I stopped pretty much the pursuit of any kind of athletic, you know, stuff at that point, went to work for the VA. Um, and I have been at the Veterans Hospital here in Johnson City ever since. And, you know, that's uh, been a blessing. Um, even though at times it was part of the problem, um, it, it's always been a good thing in my life, working at the VA. Mm-hmm. So, what, do you, what do you do there, Jeff? Uh, right. Currently I am, uh, in logistics, in the logistics, but I also do all the printing and, um, day-to-day operations with the print shop there at the VA, but I've done, you know, I'm nearing 30 years there now. So I've done a little bit of everything at the VA. So, um, this is, you know, it's, I had a, a lot of struggles through my time at the VA because, you know, there was a time when they were just throwing pain pills at everybody. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just that, that was a bad, bad time in my life. And, um, you know, it anyway, um, but to their credit, you know, uh, they've, they stopped that they've cracked down on that. Um, you know, they, I, I was addicted to pain pills for many years, uh, for my back condition. And, um, it, it created other problems, psychological problems too. I mean, it's just, you know, pain, pain pills are a terrible way for people uh, with chronic pain. Like I had to deal with pain. There is, you know, rehab and exercise and core strengthening and those types of things are much healthier and much better advantages. It's just, you know, we get lazy um, 
and it's easier for you to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a medical doctor and and uh, be handed, you know, the 30 day supply of pills and here you go. See you in 90 days, 30, 60, 90 days. And uh, so uh, that was a big part of the problem with my health and fitness then is I was just masking the pain rather than fixing the pain. Mm-hmm. And so that was the start of, of a long road for you at that point. So sure. you mentioned your first son. Um, something tragic happened there right. um, that, that really sent you into a spiral. Yes. So on top of the pain and the pain pills and uh, a, a divorce and the unknown and, you know, and, and just, you know, out of the blue, I go to bed one night and life is, you know, just going along the way that it's supposed to and, or the way that it has been, I won't say the way that it's supposed to, but the way that it has been. And then, um, your son dies unexpected. My son died unexpectedly and, you know, the whole world changed in an instant. And so it just started a reevaluation process in me internally, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And, um, through that the reevaluation process, I, you know, became saved and, uh, found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and just started a whole <laughs> whole nother path physically, spiritually, and mentally. But I had an experience with my dad passing away of going in the other direction. So at 14, when my father passed away, <clears throat> I went in a completely different rebellious direction and turned my back on God and just refused to go to church. And um, I won't say I never believed in God because I don't think you can be angry at things that you don't believe in. So, you know, I obviously there was some faith there. It just, it, it just wasn't, um, there, there was some belief there. There just wasn't any faith that God had, you know, had my back or, um, had my best interest or even that he loved me. I mean, I it was just so foreign to me. I was like, why would a God who loves someone let all you know this bad stuff happen to somebody who's just trying hard to, you know, get through, get by. And so, um, I had that experience to draw from. So, you know, there were a lot of signs after my dad died, things that I could have chalked up to God uh, loving me and trying to show me things, but I just chalked it up to coincidence and ignored it through my anger. You know, I'm 14. I was 14. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of difference in 14 and uh, 49, so, or 47. So, um, you know, I just, I had some wisdom behind me. And so the things that I would see uh, after my, some passed away. I could have chalked it up to coincidence, but there, you know, it, it, it just wasn't. I mean, there were just some things that happened along the way that made me know that God was talking to me and saying, Hey, I'm here. I love you. Mm-hmm. So there was an event that happened after your son's death. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not only assuming, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you really hit rock bottom. And that was yeah. your trip to the lake. Yes. Um, that's, that's really tough to talk about. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of warned you guys that those, the, those memories just. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think we can probably just give a narrative for, for our listening audience to, to, to let them know that, you know, you, you got to a real dark place, right. And, and right. found it real hard to cope and, you know, maybe for a moment or two, maybe longer than a moment or two, you wanted to sort of just be done with everything. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you you went through that process um, by the grace of God. Someone found you um, and allowed you to live on another day and to sort of you know show testament to the rest of your life and, and how you turn things around. So 
if you want to right. take us from, from that moment on, you know, you can yeah, so, do that. that. That So, you know, by the grace of God, like you said, somebody found me. And um, that's that's another really cool story. Um, you know, you know, but it just, uh, it, it's not, it's never coincidence. If you really just pay attention in life and when you're really down and out and you're crying out for help, God answers. And I could give you two or three, uh, stories of when, you know, there's just, there was just no way it was coincidence. It was God answering a specific prayer and it was immediate and it was instant. And, you know, just like with my failed suicide attempt, um, you know, that, that guy, wasn't even supposed to be there. He, <laughs> he was just testing a new kayak out. And, uh, you know, it just, it just, when I heard his story, I was like, you know, I'm, I, I gotta appreciate the love of God and really understand that, you know, I, you just, when you get in those, when, when I got into that place in my life, I was looking at life through so narrow a focus. It was, I was missing all this stuff all these big pictures and I was just focused on this, the, you know, it was just focusing on the bad and I forgot about, you know, my wife who loves me, and my daughter who loves me. It's almost my, selfish. It's very selfish. It's so, right. it's a selfish focus. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's very, um, you know, had I died, I don't, you know, I would have left a lot of people uh, in a terrible you know, I, I just can't even imagine now. And, and it, like I said, that's, it's, it's very difficult for me to think about because it was, it could have gone the other way. And, um, and rather than being where we are today, you know, I could have messed up a whole lot of people's lives, you know, and left them with just, you know, so much turmoil and, yeah. So, so what have you done with that opportunity then? Let's give us like a date to ground us and then let's talk about what's happened since then. Yeah. So since that time there, were, you know, uh, out pain pills are still in my life. And, um, you know, I had not really discovered CrossFit, um, at that point in time. Um, and so were you, Jeff, were you seeking any kind of professional help? Um, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to, uh, the VA and I was, you know, I was on pain pills and I was on antidepressants and I was on, you know, this and that. And, you know, they were always just playing around with my medicines. And, um, you know, and this this goes back to me saying early on that the VA has been a blessing and and also a kind of an awakening um, to me. You there's just some things you can't throw pills at. There's just some things that people have to work through and people have to. Um, you know, process and, um, you know, while the VA does a magnificent job and they're doing so much better now than they ever did before, uh, with that ideology for a long time, it was, let's just throw pills at the problem and, um, you know, try to fix it that way. But that is no longer the situation there. Now that just may be from my personal experience because after that suicide attempt, I went in and told the doctor, obviously, none of this is working and obviously this is the wrong path. So I declined any pills. Um, and I just, at that point forward, uh, I had to do the withdrawal thing all on my own and, you know, just deal with it. I didn't ask for any help. I didn't check, I didn't check myself into a hospital of course, you know, after I couldn't have any of those things when I was in the hospital, cause after my suicide attempt, 
I was committed to a hospital for a couple of weeks. And so um, gave me a lot of time to be very clear headed and um, to really start thinking that, hey, I'm, I need a new path. I need a new journey. And so, so at, at this point, is, is God now moving into the center of your focus or have you not got he, there yet? He had already started. When my son died, there was a huge event that happened that just made me, you know, a couple of days after he died that it really woke me up to the fact that God was there and he loved me and he's listening to me. And, um, you know, it was a, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll just give you the short, the, I'll give you the cliff notes. So, um, the way my son died was very tragic and the way that we found him was just, you know, hard to see. And, um, so I had an image, <clears throat> I had an image locked in my head of that and I just could not get rid of it. And it just, you know, every time that I imagined him here in his last little bit, it was just terrible. But, um, so I don't, I don't know why that's, you know, so upsetting still because that's no longer the situation. Um, you know, I, I had, uh, this epiphany happened that showed that God showed me that Jake was with Jesus. And I had this, <laughs> this moment when a song just came on on the radio and then, and you, you just, I can't give you all the details cause I know you guys are limited, but it just made me know that Jake was with Jesus and everything was okay. And, that you know life was going to be okay so i had that experience prior to this and i it's just you know i was listening and seeing the signs and paying attention but at the same time the devil which i was you know i'm i was really unaware of things like good and evil and how that really is happening in the spiritual world and whether you believe it or not it's it's irrelevant it's going on with everybody and i don't you know whether you're whether you're you know, Christian or Muslim or whatever, there is a evil and there is a good. And both of those forces are working very strong in your life. And whether you give those any credence with spirituality, that's, that's on you, but just it's, it's a real and prevalent thing and it's happening. And whichever one you feed is the one that's going to win. And I was obviously feeding the, the one that was telling me that I was worthless, that Jake's death was my fault, that, Mm -hmm. um, nobody loved me that I was unworthy. You know, I, I bought into that, that, um, voice in the back of my head that was telling me that everything wrong in my life was my fault and that Jake's death was my fault and that my divorce, that the divorce was my fault. And I was accepting responsibility for all these things and never trying to, uh, look at it from a different perspective. And when I say that's how you look at it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's what happens. You just start to believe that you're worthless, that it's not going to matter, that nobody's going to care, that God doesn't love you and that it's okay if you die. And that's a lie. It's a, it's a flat out lie. And when you get on this side of it, it, and you see all the things and opportunities that God's opened up to me since then from just, you know, giving my, faith to Jesus Christ and professing his, him as my Lord and savior and trying to walk a better life. Um, it's just opened up so many other doors. And, you know, I, I, if, if there's one message that comes from this podcast to maybe somebody that's listening, if you're in that place, don't believe it. There is a better way. There is a better way. You just have to find it. You just have to have faith and find it.
Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And I appreciate you being open and honest about it because I think um, even in our sport, you know, we're, everybody's tough and, and can handle a lot of adversity and things like that. But there, there is a lot of, you know, that kind of anguish in any population that you, that you talk to. And I think it's important for us to have role models like you to, to sort of be okay talking about it and to sort of let us know that, you know, this is, this is normal. This is part of life um, and that there's ways to get through it. So let's move on to CrossFit and how, you know, fun stuff that we love to talk about um, got helped to get you through this as well. And sort of where, where that all started. Sure. So that's, you know, that's the great thing about CrossFit. And how about that name, you know, CrossFit. I, I just, that was, that was just another thing Fine. for me to go, wow, God, really? You know, I'm trying to, you know, use spirituality. You know, I'm trying to be CrossFit. I want to uh, learn more about Jesus and the love of Jesus. And then you throw me this, this exercise program called CrossFit, just the irony. So uh, it, it was, it was, something that I just clung to once I got started in it. Um, you know, I, I think it was 2012 when I got my level one certification, uh, the whole CrossFit thing came about because, uh, I was running ma multiple marathons. I had run three marathons, uh, since my son passed away in 2011. And I found it. So in a little over a year and a half, I'd run three marathons, multiple half marathons. And, um, I'm dealing with back issues and I, I don't know if y'all have ever heard the term hair shirt, but it's a term that comes from the monks. So for penance, if they sin, they would wear these hair shirts and it would just itch and scratch and just drive them crazy. And that's what they, uh, that was their penance. That's how they paid for their sins. And, um, I think running was that for me. I felt so much guilt and so much shame. And I would just go out and run and I would come back and I couldn't focus on the pain of losing Jake and my guilt of everything being my fault. I was just beat up all the time. My back hurt. Um, I was, you know, taking multiple pain pills a day and um, on antidepressants and, you know, running just seemed to be the pain of running just seemed to be the place where I found penance or. Yeah. 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 So it, Did it you took feel my mind. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you feel like it blocked the noise? Like it you could run. Yeah. Yeah, I'd just go out and run, run. And so um, an orthopedic doctor and a surgeon at the VA said, man, you got to stop. You're just, you're killing your knees. You're killing your back. You know, you're going to, it's, we're going to have to do back surgery to, to fix all the stuff that you've messed up in your back. And I'd, I'd already had four knee operations along the way. And um, so I was just miserable just miserable. I felt like, um, every day I would just like my, I couldn't bend my joints. I mean, I could run, I could do all these things, you know, it seemed like I was, but I was just hurting all the time. So, um, finally I took the advice of my doctors and, um, you know, stopped running, but then there was, then what? I was just stuck. I was kind of like, now what am I going to do? You know I mean? Uh, and so that's when the suicide attempt came. And so, after that, my sister said, hey, um, I want you to try this workout called CrossFit. And I'm like, well, what is it? I had no clue. She's like, well, just, just go and try it. There was only one CrossFit gym in the entire Tri-Cities area. So it was close to the house. I went one Saturday morning. We did bear crawls. We did uh, deadlifts. And we did pull-ups. And um, – I left there with this sense of accomplishment, like, wow, that was cool. You know, that, that was really hard. <laughs> that was, that was different. So, um, 
and um and and the girl in the class her name was tracy and she was a friend of my wife's and um she just kicked my butt i mean she just made me look silly you know and she'd been doing it for a while and she had also been telling my wife that hey your your husband would probably like to do crossfit you know as competitive as he is and as athletic as he is he'd probably like it so i went she kicked my butt a few months later i went and got my level one certification um i started uh, doing CrossFit at local gyms here and got run out of two. They like, you can't do that here. You're intimidating. Our, <laughs> you're intimidating our clients. So I was like, okay. So I bought a package online, put it in my basement, started watching YouTube videos and just doing, well, I'd already started doing that, but I, uh, I would just look at CrossFit's daily workout and uh, my buddy Zane and one of my, son's best friends Justin Summy we would go down in the basement every day and we would do the CrossFit workout of the day and if we didn't know a move we would YouTube it or Google it and see how to do it and so um, you know we did that for probably a year and then CrossFit started becoming bigger and bigger in 2013 more people started hearing about it more gyms were opening up in the Tri-Cities and so during that year of doing it now down the basement, I would, uh, because I would follow these YouTube videos, it would, you know, Rich Froning, uh, it was always on, on a YouTube video. Uh, Chris Spieler was always on the YouTube video. These, these CrossFit athletes that had been doing CrossFit since the inception, um, would, would be the ones when you Google would come up. And so they were always talking about the open and the CrossFit games and all this stuff, you know, and I'm like, what, you know, that, what are they talking about? Didn't really, didn't really pay any attention to it. Just kept doing my thing with my buddies down in the basement. And, um, and then uh, I guess like we had done it for a whole year and then probably three or four months they started out. They started talking about the CrossFit open and I didn't know what that was. So I did learn that you had to do it at a CrossFit gym. So I went into a CrossFit gym and uh, did the one of the workouts that the whole class was doing, and it was deadlifts and box jumps, and it killed me, and I about died, and I think everybody in the entire class beat me, uh, and I was like, I know I'm better than some of these. I went back home. I was like, I just, I just got to keep doing this. So I did it for another year down in my basement. So that's about 2014, 2013, 14. And I had learned so much about CrossFit during that next year and the Open and the games. And because, you know, during that time, it was like CrossFit was everywhere. I don't know if y'all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was like, you know, it, it, CrossFit was on social media everywhere all the time. It was just CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit games, Rich Froning, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about it. And then the following year, I went back to that same CrossFit gym. And I did the first workout and I got to class about, you know, right when everybody else was leaving and my Joe Brown, who wound up being my coach and his girlfriend were the only two there. And I was like, Hey, you know, this is the first open in 2014, first workout in the open 2014 and it had double unders and, um, snatches. Thank you. Snatch. <laughs> and, and I couldn't double under. I mean, you know, I, I could do maybe four or five and then, you know, I'd trip up four or five trip up. So, um, I did that workout and kept Joe Brown like an hour after the class and, you know, it was Saturday. So 
anyway, I just, I tease him all the time because I did terrible in that workout and he stayed and judged me and, and entered, I entered my score and he showed me all about how to put your score in and he judged it for me and he was very kind and humble, but I just, you know, I know when I left that day, I tell him all the time, I bet you thought, I don't know who that old guy is, but I hope I never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> but I came back the next week and they did uh, the open workout for 2014. The second one was um, pull-ups and overhead squats. Yep. And you added rounds if you could complete the number within the Three time minutes, frame. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that one and just crushed it. Because I, you know, it's just it was just go. It was pull ups and overhead squats, and then the weight wasn't too heavy. It was just all cardio and your ability to hang on to the pull up bar. And um, so I think I wound up twenty seventh in the world on that workout. And so everybody, you know, everybody was like, "We need to teach this guy how to do double unders." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, that was, uh, that was kind of the thing is, so after that, you know, I did, I didn't even come back to the gym after that for a while. I just started working on double unders really hard and, um, you know, and then eventually I did join CrossFit Stacked and um, that was, that was good because it got me in a more competitive atmosphere with people who knew way more than I did. Um, and so the rest is just history. I, I, so after that open was over, I went back to CrossFit Stacked and I joined and started working out with, um, I got a workout partner. And like I said, the, uh, Joe Brown, who was mm -hmm. the first one who ever judged me, but just he's very knowledgeable and knew a lot, a lot more than I did about the movement standards and um, how to do proper form and technique on all the Olympic lists. Cause that's, that's, you know, I was always a good endurance athlete, but you throw a barbell in a workout and it just crushed me. I mean, you know, as long as it was pull-ups and running and sit-ups and GHDs, anything gymnastics and, and cardio, yep. I, I was there. But you threw a, throw a heavy barbell in and, um, you know, it just it destroyed me, um, mainly because I had terrible range of motion and I didn't know how to do the movements well. But Well, it, you t it sounds like YouTube and you were your own coach those first few years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did it. You know, I, all I did was took my level one certification and thought I, you know, and, and just YouTube it and yeah, built my own kind of um, system or, you know, work a bit, figured out how to do the clean and the snatch and the jerk and all that stuff on my own. Uh, once I finally got a coach and I realized that I didn't do such a good job coaching myself. <laughs> I wasn't I think, really all that good at it after all. I think you and I are the same age, 47, right? You 47? Oh, yeah, I wish. Yeah, 55. Ah, oh, I was going to say, if you need a partner, because I love a heavy barbell <laughs> and I hate endurance and gymnastics. So oh, yeah? A good mixed pair. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. We need, to, we need to look at some competitions and uh, see if we can't uh, partner up on that, because if Perfect. it's, you know, I've gotten better, but I've gotten better, especially this year. I made that. Um, uh, in 2016, I was. We came back from the games from 2015 and said, "Okay, well, Jeff's just not strong enough. He's got to get stronger." So, in 2015-2016, that's basically what I worked on was most of the year was just becoming stronger and um, and not in the Olympic lifts really, but in the accessory movements like deadlift and squat. I got just in overhead press. Got just really focused on those. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Did they have, um, were you at the games in 2016? Yes. Did they have that axle bar? Is that the Yes, uh, I was going to bring that up. What's the that heck? So, that okay. Was the nemesis. That was, that, was, that is, uh, I was actually at the games watching okay. that. Okay. So, yeah. I was watching at home. And I was watching your division because I knew, you know, and finally figured out who, you know, who you were in our connection. And so, you know, I was watching and I was waiting. I was like, all right, where's, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? Why isn't he coming out? I don't understand. And, you know, you didn't come out. And then I learned because you tore your bicep while you were yep. prepping on the axle bar. So we talked about perseverance when they yeah. canceled the games this year. So this is this is a big part of the perseverance story, you know. I've had, it's uh, especially with CrossFit. So, you know, I thought CrossFit was going to be my saving grace, and and uh, 2015 I finished two points off the podium, and then uh, 2016 I'm one point out of second place and six points out of first place going into the final um, heat, and I'm back there warming up, and I had been having some bicep tendon issues. Before I even got there, I mean, I couldn't even straighten my arm out all the way. And I told Joe, first day we got out there and we were working out at uh, one of the local gyms, California. I was like, man, some, something's going on. I said, my, I can't, I can't fully extend. I can't fully lock out my, my uh, elbow. And so I went to Rosti every day and they scraped it and taped it, you know. And I just kind of went through the 2016 CrossFit Games as best I could. And um, then they threw that damn excuse my French axle bar on the last workout. And, you know, I, I'm five foot eight, five foot eight and a half at the most. I used to be five foot nine, but I think because I've had so many knee surgeries and my hands, as you can tell, they're not, they're not huge. Like Ron Ortiz. I don't know if y'all follow him. Oh, uh, he's been on here. On show. <laughs> okay. Well, so, you know, I, they say axle bar and you just see his eyes light up and they say axle bar. And I'm like, what? You know, every time that I messed around with it, Joe had me do stuff with it, but it was just, you know, it's just awkward. It's an awkward implement. I mean, I don't know for those listening who, for those who are listening, if you know what an axle bar is, but it's, it's three to four times the diameter of a regular Olympic lifting bar. So, um, it's hard to get your hands around. And at the weight, I mean, 185 pound clean is not that difficult with an Olympic bar. It's, you know, um, but 185 pound clean with a, uh, an axle bar becomes problematic for uh, guys with smaller hands. I mean, you just can't get your hand wrapped around it. So you, I had to turn. Like a mixed grip. The demo, they, they made it. So the girl who demoed, I don't know if y'all know Brooke Hans, but she demoed it before, before, and she had one arm turned like this, like she was doing a deadlift instead of like this. So everybody adopted that. So you would, you would use that motion to get it up to here because it was a clean and then you had to do nine push presses. So then you'd kind of bounce it, switch your grip mm -hmm. and then do the push presses. Well, so I had warmed up and I was ready to go and it was, had, had, um, so the workout was 12 chest, some number of chest to bar pull-ups, 12, nine, six deadlift, uh, clean push press with the 185 pound axle bar. So you had to do 12 of those three exercises, nine and then six and then the finish. So I had warmed up. I was ready to go. 
and I don't know if y'all know who Ben Bergeron is, but he was back, back, uh, you know, with his athletes and he was watching Alan DeWarty, one of our competitors in our age group, uh, warm up. And he's like, man, I would never let one of my athletes do this workout. And I was like, really? Why? And he was like, because that is a bicep tending waiting to happen. And I was like, yeah, I said, that's interesting. I mean, I had no idea that that's what, the problem was in my in my hand until after the fact. And I was like, really, what would you suggest? And he said, well, rather than, you know, catching the bar this way. So if you're going to, if you got to use that grip to pull it up, he said, rather than when you bring the bar down to reset, to go back up for your clean, he said, don't ever, don't ever lock it out. Don't ever allow the bar to do this, you know, pick it up, pull it up to here when you're going to, bring it back down for another rep he said just let it fall to the floor and reset so he showed me this new move that I could do with my hand rather than you know holding it like this I could catch it like this it's really easy to bounce over and uh, I thought okay well I'll go over there and practice that for a couple of times I mean literally we're 10 minutes from going out and I walked over there and picked that bar up and when I grabbed hold of it I started to pull it up and do his method and my bicep tendon tore oh and so you know i'm rolling around on the ground screaming ah you like i've been shot and i was dying or something and um so they take me down to x-ray and they do the x-ray and they get me out just in time and i think i'm gonna be able to to go out there and participate and i didn't realize how important it was for me just to be able to walk out there on that on those stadium steps until after the or walk down into the arena until after the fact but what i learned through the process of not being able because they wouldn't let me go they were like nope you can't go and i was like i mean if you all you know if you just look at the math here all you gotta do is let me go down there and stand and collect 10th place points if you give me the points for 10th place i will finish third no matter what the rest of the field does they can't catch me even if the even even if the last place guy, I mean, even if the fourth place guy finished first, which there yeah. was no way anybody was beating Ron Ortiz in that workout, and nobody was going to beat the second place guy either because he was a beast, uh, Marco Casali. So, you know, but had the fourth place guy beat them all and finished first, he still wouldn't have caught me. If he'd have been first place and I would have been 10th place, my 10th place points would have been enough to keep me in third place. I didn't even have to do the workout. All I had to do was the points. And they would not let me go down on the floor because it was so close. They couldn't they, – they kept saying, no, we don't want you to get hurt. And at the time, oh. I thought I had to do one rep, do a pull-up. Yeah. And uh, later I learned that Billy Goodson, in the very first workout, had 375-pound deadlifts, and he had hurt his back, and he had a sciatic nerve pain, so he didn't do one of the deadlifts. But – they gave him the points for 20th place and he got to go on and compete. He didn't do one rep in that workout. They gave him the points for 20th place and he got to go on and compete the rest of the weekend. All they had to do was let me walk down on the floor and collect my money and do not pass. I would have, I probably would have been satisfied at that point. Had I finished third and it went down that way, I'd probably been like, well, you know, I'm good. I'm good. But it just left this big unknown in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I had 
just like with giving God the glory for getting to the CrossFit Games, you know, I had to praise God for whatever he's teaching me from that experience. And, um, you know, I, after that, I had, I healed up and I was starting to train again, but I was still having the same pain that I was having prior to the, the games. Like there was something wrong with my shoulder and I kept saying, doc, I went back to the surgeon. I was like, you know, you may have fixed it, but whatever you fixed isn't fixing here. He said, well, let's do an MRI. So he does the MRI and I go back three or four days later to get the results. And the surgeon walks in with the MRI in his hand. He's just kind of shaking his head at me and looking at me like, you know, you're, I can't believe this. And I'm like, what? And he's like, uh, you've got a rotator cuff tear in your shoulder. And it's been there for a very long time. And that would explain why you've been dealing with all this shoulder pain prior to your injury. So I had a rotator cuff tear in 2015 and 2016 and competed in the games. Wow. Because it, yeah. So they fixed that. Right. And, and that's the thing that he said that was really funny. He's like, you're either the toughest guy I know or the dumbest guy I know. <laughs> I said, let's, go, let's go with toughest. <laughs> <laughs> so he fixes that. And then I am, on the road to recovery from that, I'm doing really good. Every getting more and more range of motion, starting to feel really good again. And I go to just jump with some friends and their children, and I jump off a trampoline and grab a ring with my other hand and tore my other rotator cuff. So this was all from 2016 until currently. So we're we're talking about during that three year time period there. I had three surgeries, two rotator cuff tears had that bicep tendon repair. And so I had given up on CrossFit. I was like, you know, I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm going to continue. Now you have all the bionics. Now you yeah. have all the bionics. <laughs> so now you're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it just, it just seemed like every time I was gaining momentum, uh, something else would happen. And um, that last rotator cuff tear, I was like, you know what? It's, uh, and even though I didn't do it doing CrossFit, I did it on the rings, which we all know, you know, CrossFit has. And so, I don't know. I just kind of got into a slump about it and had stopped training. Like I was ever going to go back to the CrossFit games. I just started doing a whole lot of range of motion stuff, uh, really focusing on Ramwad every day, YouTube and just multi <laughs> there I am again with YouTube, uh, <laughs> YouTube and range of motion, you know, stuff, stretches and things to, heal your joints and you know and i've been very religious uh about doing those things i've put together my own stretching program now from what i learned from ramwad and also what i've learned from uh, youtube videos so i've kind of got my own flow session that i that i do every day and you know i'll miss workouts i'll miss olympic lifting i'll miss cardio workouts but i will not miss my flow sessions i just you know um, that's the one thing that I knew if I could get better than the other stuff would probably get better because that's why I was hurting myself is because I just couldn't get in the proper position. And uh, a lot of times it was because I was injured and I was compensating, but now I have no injuries, have no reason to, to not, you know, be able to get in those positions. I just have to fight through the pain. Um, and, but the difference in fighting through injury pain and the difference in fighting through like 
resistance pain is different. You know it. Mm-hmm. You know, like when your hamstrings, when you're stretching your hamstrings and you feel them tight, you know that's not an injury. That's just tight hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm at. You know, if I if I feel something, I'm like, mm, that's not an injury. That's just me not being able to, you know, that's that's a tight tendon. That's a tight ligament. That's something that I just, I'm going to stay here until it gets better. And so um, I've gotten really, really more efficient with my Olympic lifts because I have so much more range of motion than I had since 2016. And um, I think in large part that and just a different attitude about it, kind of like I'm not going to, if it comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, I'll work hard when it's time to work hard, but I'm not going to sacrifice everything that I sacrificed in 2015 and 2016. And so. So what are your, what are your thoughts on the 2021 season then for you, Jeff? Are you going to still just kind of be open to see what happens? Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing I did this year. I'm going to, you know, I backed off as soon as I heard that the games were canceled. I was like, good. You know, I had done a a deload week uh, right after I said, you know, this is a great time for me to deload. So I just went back to doing some, old bodybuilding, isolation muscle stuff, you know, um, that, that's not very taxing. And of course, continuing to do all the, the, my flow routine, I'm going to continue to do that every day. Um, and, but I'm, you know, I'm going to take it easy for a couple months. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, um, beat myself up for an entire year to make it to the CrossFit games, which is just a weekend competition. I don't think that that's necessary. Um, at this age, you, you can definitely overtrain and you have to be really, really careful about that. Or I do. Um, so I'll back off for a little while. And then when it's time to crank it back up, I'll crank it back up for the open. And, you know, in, in October, I'm not going to try to win that. So y'all probably see me somewhere in the high fifties, maybe, you know, but, I'm not going to be concerned about that open score if they do it the same way. It'll just be to get to the next round. I'm going to use the same uh, mentality that I have. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to go see my daughter in Nashville. I'm going to go visit my stepdaughter uh, in uh, her new home in Topsail Beach. I'm going to go visit my stepson. who just got accepted to Ohio State. <gasps> Woo! Awesome. Yeah. yeah, so he'll be at Ohio State. So uh, maybe I can come. Absolutely. Uh, Come here and meet you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, to drop into yeah. our gym. Yeah. That'd be great. I would love that. that would, yeah. I would, I would love that. So, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy life and, and not look at this as a setback, but just another something that Jeff Goble has to persevere and overcome and to achieve my goal. You know, it's, it's since 2015, it's been on my heart to be the fittest crown, the fittest, uh, you know, in my age group. And I'm, you know, I'm still going to, actively pursue that but I'm just not going to I'm not going to sacrifice my whole life to make that happen sure yeah well well Jeff I gotta I gotta thank you so much as, as a fellow believer it's really cool to hear your story and uh, allow you to, to kind of talk about your testimony a little bit and share that with the world that's really cool and uh, I just really appreciate you taking the time out with us yeah. absolutely I'm very appreciative of this opportunity you know anytime that we as uh, Christians are not, I'm not going to say Christians, but followers of Jesus Christ have an opportunity to say he saved me. I think we should take that opportunity. And I really appreciate y'all giving me this chance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. 
And I'm so, I'm so glad that you're on the other side of it now. And uh, I can't wait to root for you next year when we, when things get back to normal and get you back to the games. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you guys in the next year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Griffin will be heading to college in uh, August. And so um, we'll probably make that trip down and maybe we can get a workout together. That'd yeah, be great. That'd yeah, be awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Thank all right. You. Thank you all. Have a great day. You too. Right, you too. Bye. So that was a, an, a very emotional interview. And I'm so glad that Jeff uh, felt comfortable enough to tell us his story. Um, and I was really glad to get it out there because I think it's really important for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to display that, that story. Um, you know, of course I wanted to represent him because it's, it's showing, you know, an amazing, phenomenal master's athlete, but, but more importantly, it's just an amazing, amazing, phenomenal story that I think needs to be out. So. Uh, with that, uh, there's a couple news bits I do want to touch on. I know this is a midweek release and we don't usually do a big rundown, uh, but there's a couple things that happened in the last few days. And one was uh, on the bottom line with Nikki Brazier and Justin LaFranco. Uh, they talked about the fact that um, the Masters are kind of coming together to form their own competition, just like the teens and teams did. Um, and then also uh, the Latin American champions are kind of coming together to do one for themselves. And kind of the question I have for you guys is, um, with all this happening and CrossFit not doing a competition for them, does this open the door that maybe these divisions will be represented by a third party as opposed to CrossFit in the future? Um, I think it opens the door for that, for sure. I think that it would be interesting to see maybe someone else, some other event crown the fittest, you know, of those different age groups as opposed to at the games. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know about trademarking and calling it the fittest and all that kind of stuff, but I've, I've often thought of that as we've moved to this sort of sanctional model that there would be, you know, maybe Wadapalooza is the place where, you know, world champions in those age groups are, are crowned or at the Granite Games or at some other, you know, separate event um, that could still be not sanctioned by CrossFit, but like licensed by CrossFit, right? They do, they do licensing of competitions and things like that for a fee. So it, it might, it might not be worth it for them. Like I was saying before, it might not be worth it for them to put, put on for age groups ever mm -hmm. again. Um, I hope not, but I, I think, I think the community and the powers that be outside of HQ will figure out a way to, to make it so that they have a something uh, on an annual basis for them. I would hope. Yeah. And I, I kind of think like it can be sanctioned by CrossFit HQ, yep. but this allows them to focus on the, the open division and give the best um, coverage for that event uh, possible. And it gives us kind of a taste of CrossFit in other times of the year. Uh, when, when like they could have a teen weekend, they could have a master's weekend. And if a third party's doing that, it's really easy for them to kind of do that separately and on a separate weekend. So we have a little more CrossFit to watch uh, during kind of that end of the season run. Yeah. I mean, I can hear all that. And I, I think if they do that, I mean, I could see that, that, that being a possibility. If they do that, like I want it known, like this is, 
the master's competition. This is a competition, but like just going back to listening to what Annika was saying is, you know, like she's like that, this is great. I love that they're putting together something, but it's not the games. You know what I mean? So I, I think that if, if this is what they're training for, I'm training for this master's competition and they know that the whole time, then that's different to me than just being like, okay, you were training for the games and we aren't able to do that because of these circumstances. So we're going to put together something that you can, you know, um, test out your fitness right now, but it's not the games. We're not trying to be the games. We're just trying to give you some test. That's awesome. But I just, I just want it to be a clear division. If it is going to be the games going future or if not. Right. Right. For CrossFit to come out and say, Hey, we're not going to do age groups at the games anymore, but this is your competition. I get it. That makes sense. And we will call them the fittest, 55 to 59 year old in the world. Heck yeah. Yep. All right. So um, let's move down to my buddy, Lefteris Theophanides. Mm. It was officially announced this week that he will uh, serve a four year ban uh, from CrossFit for uh, ingesting all the things, all All the things, (laughs) all the performance enhancing drugs. Um, and still finishing near the bottom in Dubai with all those yeah, in his system when he bottom. tested positive for all of them. So, but, but also, but somehow managed to get third in the open. I know hmm. it's crazy. <laughs> he must have had a good, good five week period there. Yeah. It's amazing. Maybe he tapered for the open and then when he wasn't ready for Dubai when it came. I'm so annoyed. I mean, I normally don't get this fired up about something, but because we've been like focusing on it, this, this whole podcast, I am super annoyed about all of it because I'm, I just feel like with, with all the cheating, like I just don't like cheaters. Um, I realize that sometimes bad things happen, like looking at Ryan, um, Elrod, like certainly certain things happen, but this has been the story the whole time. And that's why I'm just super annoyed by it. Yeah. And when it came out there, you know, plenty of athletes voiced their opinion and said, no, duh. Like we knew that, you know, it's about time kind of a thing. So, well, his response was basically F you to everybody. I don't care. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's not a great defense. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, I'm just sad that I won't, we probably won't be talking about him for the next four (laughs) years. So, um, so, you know, Rest in peace, Lefter's Theophanides. Uh, and I won't have to say that name again. Perfect. So there. there you go. All right. One more piece of uh, bad news is, if you have not seen it, uh, the CEO of Unbroken Designs went mm-hmm. to Instagram, uh, posted a picture of her child um, eating tacos, and made a very derogatory statement uh, about that, calling her child an ethnic slur uh, in the Latin com- Latin American community. Uh, she then uh, tried to apologize. I think she first said she knew that it was uh, offensive, but did well, it anyway. Then pulled She was it. called out on it and said, yeah. do you know what you're saying? She said, yes, I know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, then I'm pulled aware. it, changed it, put it back out, um, and then did an apology, which she pulled later as well. But you can find that on the Morning Chalk Up. They actually have the original apology out there. Um, so what she did was was horrible and should not be done by anybody. But then the fallout from that has been just as bad. Yeah. 
the, her children and her husband have been threatened with their lives. Um, uh, to the point, like, I think her husband received an, a letter saying that they were going to cut off his children's head and oh you could God. find it. Um, so, I mean, like, it's just, it has gone from absurd to ridiculous. And um, I, I just, I, this, this has to stop at some point, right? Um, you know, my wife and I watched a movie last night uh, about this, like, racial insensitivity in London. And, it, like, I, I just look at it and I'm like, how does this still go on today? It just blows my, blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had, she, what she did was wrong. Um, she said so. She admitted it. She said she was sorry. I, I know for some people that's not going to be enough. Um, I, I, I can't say that um, I can relate. I certainly have a privileged life. Um, but I don't think that it warrants death threats um, to your family or to you. Especially to children who had nothing to do with the, right. the incident at all. Right. Right. People are just, yeah, losing their minds right now for all kinds of reasons. And it's making, you know, those things just, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire, you know? Yeah. I think you're right. I think people are, are angry right now too. And this, um, that's a way to let it out too. And so hopefully calmer heads will prevail. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not a good outlook for unbroken designs as a company. Um, but it shouldn't come to death threats and things of that nature. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's end on a positive note um, because our little, and I can never remember the name she calls herself. Polypragmatist. Polypragmatist. Um, you know, As she opposed always to is Debbie wah, Downer. Wah, wah, and, um, Which is usually so right. <laughs> this morning, this morning, news broke that the state of California is going to allow professional sports. Shut up. That's no. cool. Yeah. So they are looking at opening mid June for sports, even though the stay at home is until July 30th or 31st, whatever it is. Okay. Um, because they think that the communities need something to hang their hats on um, and to want to, to distract themselves during this time. It, it will be no spectators, which is what the plan is for Aromas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll just be the teams will be allowed to go to the practice facilities. Uh, they will be allowed to conduct sports, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, or CrossFit. Is, um, is CrossFit a sport? Like, have we established that? Because seriously, would, that's a serious question. To, it would have to be. Okay, good. It would have to be in these things. Um, New York. So, uh, you know, we said last time that Arizona and Florida had opened the doors to professional sports. And now all the other states are going, shoot, I, we don't want to lose the opportunity. So right. New York, Texas, California, it's just like a big domino effect. They're all Good. jumping in saying professional sports uh, will be allowed. And even some are saying like little league camps are going to be allowed to be open. Uh, but they, the only people that can come to the games are like parents. And okay. they must practice social distancing at the game. <laughs> This gives me hope for high school football in the fall. Right. So it's, it's starting and I just wanted to end on a really good note, especially, especially yeah, for a dear cat who <laughs> is always bringing us the wah, wah, wah. Um, okay. I, I'm not going to add to it. I'm just going to leave it right there. 
So that that's a big positive sign. Whether you know, it's still not a hundred percent that these games are going to go off. We don't know if there's going to be another surge, but that's a really good sign that we're going in the right direction. Absolutely, I'll give you that. Um, so, with that, let's end on that high note, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Crossfitter and Friends. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube now and all major podcast platforms. That's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, We're available on all those. And please hit that subscribe button on whatever you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.